This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 190. Hey, veterinary friends, it's Dr. Julie Capel. I have a great interview for you this week. It is with Brendan Kamarasamy, and he is from Master Talk. He speaks on how to speak and how to get more confident with speaking and all the things. And there's a lot of tips on the podcast about how you can get better in the exam room, talking to clients, and talking to other people. So, Stay tuned after this little uh, blurb that I'm doing for that amazing podcast with Brendan. But anyway, before I get into this podcast, and you are going to love it, I just wanted to let you know about what's been going on. I've had a busy week. I'm fully recovered from my COVID. I'm keeping busy at work. It's really been amazing. I've been able to um, get a few more interviews on the podcast for you. And I've also been doing a lot of writing. I'm writing a book, which is really scary. But anyway, I just wanted to let you know that I do have some fun resources available on my website. I have my Wednesday Weekly Words, which will come out every week for you. And if you just go there and give me your email address, you can sign up for that. And also a place to sign up for free coaching. So if you don't know about life coaching, you've never been coached before, I really want you to think about trying it doesn't have to necessarily be with me, but if it is with me, I have a place where you can sign up for a good 45-minute coaching over Zoom, and we can either just talk about what life coaching is if you have questions, or we can actually do some coaching. And so I encourage you to do this just because it will really change things for you. I'm very confident in saying this, that when I discovered life coaching, it changed a lot of things for me. And so I would love for you to get involved. So go to my website, juliecapel.com or veterinarylifecoach.com, and you can sign up there on my calendar. Or if you're afraid or shy to do that, just email me. And my email is jacapeldvm at gmail.com. So you're going to love this podcast with Brendan, and he his business is Master Talk. So listen, write down all the things he talks about, do some of the exercises that he recommends, and I know it will change your life. So let's get into the podcast. Hello, veterinary friends. Welcome to the podcast. Today I have a guest for you, and I'm super excited to get to know this person. His name is Brendan Kamarasamy. He is the founder of Master Talk, and he teaches people public speaking. Welcome to the podcast, Brendan. Of course, Julie. Pleasure is mine. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about what you do and how you got started and all the things? Of course, Julie. So <laughs> for me, it all started when I was in college. I went to business school and I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing basketball or baseball or soccer or some other sport, you probably wouldn't see me playing. I did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started to coach a lot of those students on how to communicate ideas, not because I was a coach or anything, but because the alternative they had was a rock. So they might as well pick me. And that's how I learned the art of how to coach people. And then I had the idea for the YouTube channel, Master Talk, because I realized 
that everything that I was teaching the students wasn't available for free on the internet. So I started making YouTube videos on communication and a few years later just turned into something I never thought was possible. Yeah, so now you spend your time making the YouTube videos and also public speaking? Yes, and, and coaching a lot of executives and, and entrepreneurs. Yeah. Awesome, that's amazing. Well, tell us about it. Tell us what we need to know about public speaking. What is Master Talk all about? Right, so, so the principle I always start with is this. You know, communication, especially a lot of us seem to think that it's speaking on the stage. It's uh, get reaching millions of people on social media. Whereas for me, communication is rather every moment of our life. It's the way that we talk to our families. It's the way that we meet strangers at a park. It's the way that we talk to people we travel, the way we order food at a restaurant. And more importantly, in the context of this conversation, the way to, that we talk to, not necessarily the patient directly, but the patient's pet, right? And yes. interfacing with the person who has the pet and navigating those difficult conversations. Yeah, we call that person the client. Yeah, the client. So we have that. clients and we have patients, right? Right. In veterinary medicine. So yeah, that's that's absolutely where we need to focus. Right. And and that's the key, right? It's it's those moments, not necessarily speaking in front of a hundred different people, but rather making sure that every time we interface with the client and the patient, we're able to create an environment where they feel at ease, where they feel like in the right they're in the right hands with the right people, especially with pets, because a lot of the owners have a strong emotional bond with those pets. So if we don't create that certainty in the way that we're interfacing with the client, they're going to be really nervous because they're already stressed out as it is. Because if they're going into veterinarian, you know, a, a vet, a, uh, you know, a, a vet, right? Let's use vet. Hospital, the, like hospital, clinic or hospital, yeah. Yeah, clinic. So, so yes, oftentimes it might just be for a checkup, but other times, like one of my cousins the other day, it was for ER because he got, their dog got scratched and it was really dangerous, peculiar situation. So yeah, we need to know how to navigate those. Yeah. So tell me what would be your first piece of advice then? So you're talking to veterinarians that it's my audience and we have to every 20 to 40 minutes usually walk into a room with people we don't often know. And basically we're kind of presenting ourselves, right? Absolutely. So, so what I always like to start with communication, Julie, is a lot of us, we always center around the negativity. Oh my God, how do I do this? I'm stressed, I'm anxious. Whereas, whereas me, my focus is always focusing on the positive. And there's a lot. The first one is, how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator as a vet, as a veterinarian? How would your life change and how would the, the lives of both the patients and the clients that you serve change? Start to focus on the positive, not just the negative. Because if we focus on the, on the positive, we can actually get excited about this. Okay, well, if I actually get better at this, I can create an experience that makes people feel better. And so that's one piece. The other piece is saying, okay, now that we understand the mindset piece, let's go into the tactics. What are the little things that we can do? And what's great about being a vet is a lot of the situations will repeat itself. It's yes. not like you're going to have, okay, sure, maybe on an off day, the first client might be a giraffe and the second one may be a dog. <laughs> but the statistical likelihood of that happening is not really high. There's probably a lot of dogs, probably a lot of cats, probably a lot of similar situation, the most common pets that most people would bring. Am I right yeah. in saying that? Right. Yes, you are. I mean, some of us see yeah. 
large animal and some of us see exotic pets, but basically situation after situation, you can pretty much count on you're going to have similar things. The thing that changes is the people, right? Correct. The only thing that changes is the people. And that's a great thing. Why? Which brings us to our first tactic, which I call question drills. So question drills is simply the idea that most of us, when we get questions from a client or really anywhere in our life, Julie, we're very reactive to those questions. We're not proactive. So we wait for the question to come. So we sit there and somebody asks us a question. We go, uh, and then we react to it in real time. I'll give you an example with me. When I started guesting on podcasts a few years ago, I sucked. And I remember <laughs> somebody asked me this question completely. You have to get better at it, right? Yeah, you have to get better at it. He said, uh, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at him and I said, uh, Los Angeles, San Diego. <laughs> I don't know. So I wasn't being proactive. So how, do, how did I do it? And it only takes five minutes a day. Every single day, Julie, I would write and answer one question that I knew someone was going to ask me. And I did that every day for five minutes a day for a year. Well, if you do that, Julie, you'll have prepared and answered 365 questions about your industry. So eventually you'll be able to guess. I mean, at the end of the day, what's the client gonna ask us? Um, how long does my pet need to be in here? Uh, what do you think is wrong with it? Uh, uh, is there any like medication that I need to bring? So the, the questions, might be nerve wracking at first when we're young vets and we're getting into the business, but over time they start to repeat themselves a lot. Yeah, that's an excellent idea. So just sit down with yourself, think of a question that you may be asked, and then you're basically rehearsing the answer. Correct. So and let me familiar and less scary. Correct. And let me push it a Brilliant. little bit more to the specific industry that we're talking to. If I was a vet in this industry right now and I wanted to get really good at this, here's what I would do. It doesn't cost you any money, literally $0 strategy. <laughs> Find two other vets that are getting started as well and create a mini group mastermind between you three where you bring the hardest questions that you got asked that week in, in the hospital, in the clinic and ask the other vets how they would answer the question. Nice. That's what's great about this approach. You actually don't need to be creative. You can just go up to, let's say, let's say me and your partners, and I was a vet. I would come up to you and go, Julie, I got asked this question, and I don't know the answer. How would you answer it? And you would go, because you have a lot more experience than I do. Correct. And I would say, let me just use that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting ahead. because when I was a young vet, I worked for two older vets, and I used to like listen at the door to their spiels. I called it learning their spiels. Because oh, yeah. they had ways of saying things that I wasn't familiar with yet in a competent way. And so I would listen to the way they would approach it and then try to mimic that. So it's very similar to that. what you're saying. Yeah. And I love how proactive you are because I find a lot of medical professionals, if, if I can call that this, yes. uh, in, that, in that context, you know, I find a lot of them are proactive. Right? We are in the same way you are. So I love that. Yeah. Do you think the reason that they're not proactive is that fear that they may say something wrong? Like, where do you think that comes from? I personally think, but I'd love your input on this too, because obviously you, you know the industry really well. I think from my experience working with medical professionals is there's just a lot on their plate, yes. right? Especially when they're medical doctors, which a lot of the clients I've worked with, they're working with 20, 30, 40, and they're interfacing with nurses and talking to all these stakeholders. And I can imagine 
a very similar environment in 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 the environment that we're talking to right now, which yeah. is a lot of different clients, a lot of different situations. So it's very stressful. So they already got 30, 40 balls. So they're not really thinking proactively, not because they don't want to, but because their job is so high stress that they're going, no, I, I got to think about this patient. And this patient is texting on my phone right now. I'm going, what's up with my dog? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not spending or creating that space where I'm saying, how can I get better at this? And I feel that's the missing piece is just being more proactive about it. Yeah, proactive about learning this particular skill. I think we're so wrapped up in learning our medical practices and those skills and doing it right and not making a mistake and all of those thoughts that the communication piece we forget. And in my view, the communication piece is the most important because if you don't communicate clearly to the client, that's where all the confusion comes in. And then people get angry and, you know, that that's what we face a lot as clients that are, are unhappy. And I think not communicating properly is where a lot of that unhappiness comes from. So, yeah, right. that's why, that's why I thought you would be brilliant to have on the podcast to kind of teach us how to communicate properly in that exam room so we can avoid some of those pitfalls. Absolutely, Julie. And and what you said, I think, is a great case study for all of us is taking that proactive approach. It's just the next step to what you did, which is awesome, right? Listening in the ear, seeing what the spiel is. The next piece to that is just going to them directly and saying, hey, you know, these are some specific questions. That's why writing journaling is so good, because every time you're in a bad situation, you don't need to spend 30 minutes on this. Just writing it quickly on your phone. Hey, this situation is something I want to ask someone who is a mentor of mine in this industry a specific question around. Eventually, you'll be bulletproof, right? Like two, three years of me doing podcasting. Now I'm not super stressed about it. Yeah, and, and it doesn't bother you key. anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. When I first started doing podcast, I was a wreck. And now I'm just like, we just talk and it's fun. And I get to learn a lot of cool things from people like you. So likewise, by the way, I'm learning a lot about your industry as well. So it's super fun. So talk to me a little bit about, um, I feel that when we're in the exam room and we do get kind of nervous and stressed and we kind of lose our focus, So do you have tips for people that go in, you know, as far as like eye contact, how to present their ideas that will cause them to be um, better relatable to the client and kind of pull that client into that mutual trust that you want to build? Absolutely, Julie. So so here's the way I think about it. The, The techniques are the same, but the way they get applied to each industry and the reason why they should do the tips is a bit different. So let's let's tackle the second piece. Okay. So here's the way I think about it. My philosophy is always if you do what's harder outside of the hospital, the hospital becomes much easier. So Mm -hmm. what's the next piece to that? And then we can talk about techniques that are specific. I call this the random word exercise. So the random word exercise is fairly simple. You pick a random word like goat, like horse, like giraffe, like lights, and you create random presentations out of thin air. So a lot of you listening to this might be wondering like, well, Brenda, I don't need to speak in the public. Why, why Why is this relevant? The reason it's relevant, and this is what I tell people all the time, is if we can make sense out of nonsense, Julie, we can make sense out of anything. So going back to that little mastermind that we talked about, those two other vets, if we're doing the random word exit, or if they're old enough for listening to this with your kids, nieces, nephews, if you're doing the random word exit outside of the hospital where it doesn't count, 
where it's not stressful. Not as stressful, right? Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So in those situations, if you talk about mangoes and all this random thing stuff, and you're able to create random presentations, it, it teaches a very important skill set in client-facing roles, which is knowing how to think quickly on your feet. So when you go back into a hospital and you're interfacing with a client, you're able to quickly shift your energy because you did the random word exercise outside of the outside of the hospital. And that's what I found with a lot of my medical doctors where, you know, they're dealing with patients who, you know, have really severe, you know, cancers and things like that. So right. if they can deal with the random word exercise, they can quickly shift their energy and their focus. And this definitely applies for veterinarians as well. Okay. So explain that to me. So how would you do that? Perfect. Absolutely. Pick a random word and yeah, tell me how to do it. Uh, I'll do better. Uh, I'll demonstrate it. So throw Perfect. any word at me. Um, post-it note. Post-it note. Okay, perfect. So if you listen to this podcast, Julie did not give me the word post-it note prior to this conversation. So I'm literally inventing on the fly. So here I go. It's Sunday night, Julie. And as you can imagine, I'm getting ready for the week. And every time I do this, because I don't do it every week, I'm not as great as I should be on this, I use post-it notes. And you might be thinking, Brent is just inventing it. But the truth is, is they, I really do use post-it notes because they're so important and so vital to the way that we prepare our lives. But the problem, Julie, is a lot of us don't prepare enough. We think about the post-it note. We ponder over it, but we don't actually use it. And so many of us in our lives, we think about the tools that will serve us. We think about the ways and how we can be better, but we miss the keyword action. So don't just think about the post-it note, use it, lever it so that you can be a better version of who you can be. So that's just the random word. Excellent. Beautiful. Yeah, that's great. I love it. So basically you're just practicing talking about anything that comes up in conversation. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Because now when I come back to communication, no one's asking me, Jewel, on a podcast, hey, Brendan, what's your favorite fruit? No one's asking me that. They're saying, okay, I, I have this audience. How do I speak? How do I effectively communicate? So of course, if I can do post-it note, communication, because, because that's my area of expertise. So for a veterinarian listening to this, how post-it note applies to them is if they can do avocado and post-it note. But when they go back to work, they'll go, huh. Well, five of my clients today were brought their dog and three of them, it was because of X thing. And it's the X is always the same. So we, they get more comfortable over time, not overnight, but over time. Yeah. And how do you recommend that if somebody's very insecure, like I, I coach a lot of veterinarians, they're very strongly introverted people in a lot of situations. Like mm -hmm. for some reason, you wouldn't think that someone would um, be introverted. And this is some, a career they've chosen, but it's very, very true that there's a lot of introverts in this profession. And so they have a very, very difficult time being outgoing and trying to win over people in the exam room. The eye contact is stressful for them, all of those things. So besides the practicing at home, what can they practically do in the, in the actual exam room to overcome that I don't want to call it shyness because it really isn't. It's more of just a preference um, of speaking, I think. I completely agree. You know, the best people I've worked with in my career are actually introverts, Julie, mm -hmm. funny enough. I know. So, so, what, 
So whenever I whenever I hear the word introvert, I actually get more empowered. So so let's break a lot of stereotypes around introvert speakers. But let's talk about the eye contact because I know you mentioned it a lot and I haven't answered that yet. Yeah, and let's I always jump. I always hate the eye contact on a podcast because it's not right. Like my eyes don't completely meet your eyes, even though I am looking at you. The the Zoom call kind of throws it off. So I think eye contact is important. Uh, absolutely. So there is a strategy I teach. But uh, it's a bit more advanced. It's doable. I just don't think vets who haven't done the random word access will do it. But I'm happy to give it for my my action takers for listening to this. Okay. Yeah. So so I call it the endless gaze. So the endless gaze is simple. It's just not easy. All you have to do is pick somebody that you love outside of the clinic. For me, it's always practice outside of the clinic because it's less stressful for you, right. and then go back stronger when you go back in the clinic. So it's simple. Pick somebody that you love and stare at them for three minutes without saying a word. And I've coached a lot of people on this who have been married for 15 years, 17. They can't do it for three minutes. Yeah, three minutes sounds like a long time. It's a lot. <laughs> and you're allowed to blink. You just can't talk. Why is this so good? Because the best speakers on the planet never tell you this, Julie, is that one of their secrets is that they can pause forever without ever making it sound awkward at all. But that is not born talent, that is worked talent. Learned. So because I can learn, sorry, thank you. Right, so <laughs> when, you, when you can pause for five minutes, when you go back to the, the examination room and you're pausing for three to four seconds, it's really easy. So that's the first piece on eye contact. The other piece is going back to introverts in particular. So there's a couple of things. The, the, the bottom line is, Leverage your strengths. You don't need to be outgoing. You don't need to be an extrovert. You need to leverage what you have. And let me go through what that is, because I feel a lot of introverts don't know that. Yes. One, introverts are exceptional listeners. Exceptional. Because they say less. Correct. They just, right? And they're not worried about what they're going to say next, like the extroverts. <laughs> exactly. And, and by the way, I know this because I'm an extrovert. I sucked at listening. And I still do, by the way. I'm just a lot better than I used to be. But it's really hard for me because extroverts always want to keep the conversation going, right? They're always wanting to talk. That's why I'm a good guest, right? Like yapping. Yeah, so yeah. it's good. Silence makes them uncomfortable. <laughs> right, right. Which brings me to number two, the pause. Introverts are so good at pausing because they're comfortable in silence. Whereas me, just thinking about silencing is really making me uncomfortable because I'm an extrovert. So it's something I needed to work on. And the third piece that a lot of introverts don't know, Julie, is that they're actually more accessible than the extrovert is. Dale Carnegie says it best. It's not about being interesting. It's about being more interested in the other person, right? That's why introverts are more accessible because they ask more questions and they just listen. Whereas with extroverts, they're very controversial. You either really like an extrovert or you really don't. There's no in between, but nobody says that about Brene Brown. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, that's great. So tell me some more about this. How, how, what other things can we learn from you to help us with our clients, with our insecurities? Absolutely, Julie. So now that we, we covered the random word exercise, we talked about the question drills, I can give one other tip that can really push us out of our comfort zone that, that I always get pushed back from the medical community. But you don't have to do this with your clients. I, I think it really makes you stand out because most people don't do this. And it's so simple, by the way. Send video messages to people that you love. 
make a list of people that you love in your life. They don't have to be clients. Could be your mom, your brother, your sister, your nephew, your niece. And ask yourself a simple question. When was the last time you sent them a 20-second video message to say, hey, Julie, really love the podcast, really love what you do. I love the way that you show up. Even if you might have challenges with your health, you still show up every day. I love that. Simple. It's so simple, nobody does it. But if you do that, if you're the vet who actually takes the time to send these video messages, trust me, you're doing something that 99% of people in your space aren't willing to do, which means you'll be so comfortable that you'll be able to be much better in the examination room. But there's another piece to that. And the other piece to that is when you're willing to do what most people aren't willing to do, you also learn a valuable lesson with video messages. And that valuable lesson is that you learn that communication isn't a chore. Because a lot of us think that communication is a chore. But when you send those video messages to your grandparents and they reply to you and they go, oh my God. They I've love never, it. <laughs> they love it. And it teaches you what communication is for, which is a tool for impact. Uh, it's amazing. So let me ask you this. I thought about this earlier when I was thinking about speaking with you. We deal with confrontation and conflict fairly often um, because we're dealing with difficult subjects that are highly emotional, you know, so sometimes we end up in those situations. Do you have advice for those kind of situations that feel like conflict or confrontation? Absolutely, Julie. So there's two parts to that. Love the question. So one part is what is the easiest thing that we can do? And the other piece to that is mirroring. So let's start with mirroring, which I think is a meta, interesting meta conversation that we're having right now. Okay. Right now in real time, Julie, I am adapting my energy to you. And what I've always found is that the best speakers on the planet are chameleons. They're able to quickly change their energy based on the person they're speaking with. So, And I don't think it's manipulation. For me, it's really about making the other person feel comfortable and safe in the setting that they're in and having more empathy for others. And I'll give you a funny story here. So whenever I guess on a show, there's always two types of hosts, yeah, three types, really. Someone's in the middle. The other two types is someone, I come on a show and they go, Brendan, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Yeah, You're really like, high like, energy. Yeah, I've, I've interviewed some. <laughs> right. And that's actually my natural state, Julie. So I'm very extroverted. That's my style. I go, let's do this. Yeah. And then the other side, you're more in the middle, probably more towards the introversion side. But then you have the opposite end, which is, hi, Brendan. Uh, really excited to have you on the show. And then my energy shifts immediately. Paul, yeah. is this your first episode? And then Paul goes, yes. And I go, I'm so excited to be here. Let's take it one question at a time. I'm the most easygoing person you'll ever meet. So notice how my energy shifted from like A to Z really quickly. Right. Put them at ease. Right. So do that with your clients as one piece of the equation. Yeah. I've, I've talked about that a lot on the podcast because I, I really enjoy personality profiling and kind of learning about different personalities and the way people operate. And so I do think that if you get good at that skill and reading people and understanding who they are, that that will help you relate to them and match match that energy, like you said. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the other pieces, second piece that a lot of people don't catch is I repeat your name a lot. So I say, Julie, this, Julie, that Dale Carnegie says it so well, the best sound that a, to a human beings ear is the sound of their own voice. 
So whenever you know a client's name, try and repeat, hey, John, it's great to meet you, John. Yeah, so, so tell me a little bit more about your pet. And so when you do that more, you build that rapport with them. The last piece is your question around confrontation. So how do you deal with confrontation? And also, before I get to confrontation, notice how, for everyone who's listening right now, why am I able to quickly and swiftly answer Julie's questions? The answer isn't because I'm smart or I've, it's just because I've done more work yeah, to prepare the questions, right? It's the question yeah. drills. So you never see me going, oh no, I haven't got. I don't know that question. <laughs> right. So, so for confrontation, here's what I always emphasize, because I'm all about easy wins. What is easy for people to implement? Not going directly to the heart of things. I always am a big proponent of learn to argue over small things before you go over big things and always start with your family. Don't start with the relationships you need to master, people you just met in a clinic. Start with the relationships that you value the most. And I call this relationship visioning, where you write the relationship and how you actually want it to be. I'll give you an example of this, Julie. My mother and I used to fight all the time. Not because my mother was a bad person. It's because I was immature because I was 13 years old. Right? So we'd always fight all the time. And then one day I did something that no 13, 14, 15 year old do with, through their mother. Because we had an argument once about how she wasn't allowing me to go eat at somebody else's house. I thought it was preposterous. I was so frustrated with her. And then one day I just said, well, what is the relationship that I want with my mother? Do I want all of us to argue all the time and have fights? And I said, no, I want this to be peaceful. So I sat down and I just asked her a simple question. Why? Why does it bother you that I, that I go to somebody else's house? And I listened to her and it all made sense. In Sri Lanka, there was a civil war and they didn't trust everybody. So, But anyways, what's the point of this conversation? The point is, if you don't know how to confront with your family or people you're comfortable, it might not be your family, but friends, it's going to be really hard to learn how to argue with people you don't really have that much of a connection with because you just met them. Or at, Yeah, at all. Right. So you need to start by confronting or not con confront. That's a strong word, but having thoughtful uh, disagreements and discussions and conversations with people that you actually value the relationship. It's like, no, like I want to get better. Like the reason we're able, no, we're not, we're not arguing with each other, but the, the reason we're able to have this <laughs> could if you want, <laughs> <laughs> no, you'd probably win, honestly, I probably uh, would. <laughs> You probably would, but the so the point is, which is a, that's a strategy, but outside of the scope of this podcast. But the point is, is that you need to learn how to argue first with people that you actually want a relationship with, kids, nieces, nephews, and then you work your way up to the client situations. Yeah. So when you call it an argument, I I some I get a little bit like uh argument because I think of confrontation and conflict in the exam room is not necessarily you wanting to argue. Correct. So what's the, what do you see as the goal? Like if you have someone that's upset about whatever, because, you know, sometimes people are upset because they had to wait 10 minutes. Sometimes they had to wait an hour. Like it, some things seem reasonable to us and some things don't, but you're, you're presented with that situation fairly often. Right. And so now that we've just, and I agree, by the way, I, I think you're absolutely correct. I think argument's a strong word. I, th I think I was more saying that the context of family. I like but it yes, though. I mean, I, I think yeah. you're right that you, that practicing arguing is a great, is a great thing because, you know, you want, you want to go through an argument with a goal in mind. And if you're with someone you love, you're going to be more likely to be kind and open to their thoughts. And yeah, like that totally makes sense to me. 
Absolutely. So I would say for, especially the situations you brought up where you're getting heated questions, let's use that, right? It's the same, it's a normal question, but it's, it's done with the vocal variety. That's a little bit too hot. You go like, Ooh, yeah. Okay. Emotion. There's a lot of emotion behind it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so my response is always get really good at open-ended questions. So for example, when, and it's hard to implement on the spot. So what I always start with is you, you want to start with a template. What are some questions that you can just spitball to everybody? I'll give you an example. So let's say somebody says, I'm really frustrated. I had to wait 10 minutes like this, whatever, you know, some situation. I'd always start with, I'm sorry you feel that way. Is there anything I can do to make it better for you? Can you walk me through that experience? How did it make you feel? So notice those questions are nice. Hopefully you like yes. them. But the, the other piece is you can repeat them over and over again. So when the next patient, you don't have to invent a new question. You go, oh, I'm late. Like, I'm, I'm sure that happens more than once a day. <laughs> as a yeah, vet. sometimes multiple times a day, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And what's cool is what's, once again, going back to the question drill, it's actually the same situation, Julie. It's just this is more advanced where it's not it's not based on a question. It's based on the situation. So it's more situational. So going back to that little mini mastermind we talked about, yes. for those of you who are more advanced who are listening to this, I would say, how should I respond when a client says, I, I was late, I was frustrated. You'll get that answer millions of times in your career. There's a, there's a template answer to that. I'm sorry you feel that way. Acknowledge the emotion. And then after you acknowledge the emotion, you ask an open-ended question, like, what can I do to make your experience better? Can you walk me through that experience? And you're a little bit more empathetic. You hear them out for a few minutes. And then you get, you use those templates and you bring it back to your own industry and go, how can we make this template better? And then once there's a master document, you just rinse it and repeat and you'll be fine. So it's, it's back to rehearsing and getting kind of your spiels going. Yeah, unfortunately, there's no there's no silver bullet here. There, there's easy techniques that we can explain that are clear for people, like endless gaze. Like it's simple to explain, it's terrible. Yeah. But the bigger question is, are we willing to do it? That's why the first question we talked about at the beginning of this conversation is so essential because it sounds esoteric, but it's so important, which is how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? If you don't have that motivation, like if you didn't care enough about the patients and the clients, Julie, you wouldn't have put your ear on the door to listen right, to their spiels. Right. So yes, that mission is so important. Well, and I think a lot of this is about making your life easier as well. Like there's so much stress in this profession there. And that's why I got into coaching in the first place is I wanted to change that. So if you can get better at the communication part, if you can get less fearful of the confrontations, if you can have the tools in your toolbox, your job's going to be easier. And, the, and that's why I love these tips that you're giving people is if you do the work up front, then things are easier in the exam room. Absolutely. That's why for those of you who are listening to this who are in vet school, take this episode super seriously because you get to practice before the, ga before the game starts, before you get on right. the field. Yeah. And they can even practice with the other students and with yes. their mentors. And yeah. So do you have, this just popped into my head and this might kind of be a repeat, but do you have a recommendation for people that get into a situation where they do start to feel overwhelmed? Like if you're in a situation, in a communication, when you feel like it's getting away from you and you can't remember your, your questions that you practiced and you start to panic, like, is there something that you can do in that situation? 
Right. So, so it's hard to prescribe something that's happening in the moment, Julie, besides, you know, deep breaths, things like that. But I would say the biggest advice that I would share, I'm sure other people give different perspectives, is really the importance of reflection. I call, I, I coined this concept called communication agility, which is essentially a situation where you audit and reflect on a weekly basis, areas or situations that happen to you in your life that you feel caused a high level of stress. So I'll give you an instance. Let's say I was coaching a bit on this. It would be on a Saturday. I mean, not even be a Saturday. It might be a day where they're not working. Let's hopefully there is one of those days where they're, they're not on call. It should be. So, uh, hopefully. So, so let's say that day Saturday it might not be, but let's just say it's Saturday. Spending that hour, actually not even an hour. That's too much to ask. 15 minutes, 15 minutes, just journaling. What is that situation that causes me the most anxiety this week? And mm -hmm. going deeper on that. Why, why did it cause me this much anxiety? I feel just asking those questions really helps because if it's like, oh, this situation caused me a lot of stress because they kept asking me, they kept yelling at me saying that I wasn't this and that. And then the third piece to that, that reflection is the next time the situation occurs, what, what can I do to help me alleviate from this? So then what I do is more open-ended. I have them give, give answers. So they might say something like, well, you know, I like doing meditation every morning to really help me calm myself for the day. And I've realized in the last three weeks, I haven't been doing it. So how about I add that extra to my schedule if I know that specific client is going to come that specific day? So those are some examples of things we can do. But there's no, uh, there's no silver bullet because the cause of that anxiety and the prescription to that anxiety is different for each vet, if that makes sense. But if you have some tools, like you said, in the background that you've practiced your communication and you've talked to other veterinarians about what they say and what they do, in a, then you'll have more tools to pull from. 1000%. Right. I love that. So I um, listened to one of your videos and you talked about, um, what was it, dancing with your fear? Do you remember mm. talking about that? What do you mean by that? It's, that Absolutely. sounds like a, a good concept that we could learn from. For sure, Julie, happy to. So, so here's what I think about. I, I am very much against the idea that you can remove your fear altogether. There's always a level in which we're all scared of something, even for me, all right? Like give an example, let's say me and you were having lunch and Elon Musk calls me and he <laughs> says, you know, Brendan, I really like your YouTube videos. I was just, I don't know why I was just looking on YouTube and I found your videos. Can you coach me tomorrow? I'll pay you a million bucks. Oh my goodness. That'd be amazing. Right. Would, would, would I be able to <laughs> coach I would him? freak out too. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I'd still get him the result, but man, would I freak out? Right. So there's always a level for all of us. I mean, uh, for those of you who are listening, you obviously know I'm not the oldest guy in the shed. Like I started coaching C-suite executives, oh, but for vets, C-suite just means CEOs of companies when I was 22, right? So who am I to do this? So I had a right. lot of imposter syndrome. So how did I overcome it? I overcame it by understanding the following, that we're always one chapter ahead of somebody in that specific skill. That's one piece. And then the other piece is going back to dancing with the fear. I've always believed that fear is like a boxing match, Julie. So one side of the, the ring is the fear, the anxiety, the stress, the dr clients are driving us crazy. And then you have the other side of the ring, which is the message. Why is it important? for us to deliver this message? Why is it important for the people around us? 
And for me, it's never been a question of trying to remove the fear from the ring, but rather making sure that when your fear and your message meet in the middle of that boxing match, that your message wins the match, that your message gets the knockout punch. Mm. Sure, some some part of Brendan could go, oh, should I really be on Julie's podcast? I'm not sure. I don't know. And then the, the more important version of Brendan says, well, if I don't show up on Julie's podcast, who else is going to show up to share all this communication information with all these incredible vets? Right. Who else who is going to help us? Yeah. Right. So I said, well, let's figure it out then. Let's go. Maybe I made a few mistakes this episode, but for the most part, I was able to deliver value. And that's what counts. No one's going to be perfect. It's about showing up and, and creating that and going back to that purpose. Right. So just being okay with it and in the fear and living in the fear. Yeah. That we talk a lot about that on the podcast is, you know, you, you never a hundred percent arrive. Like we, we think there's this like end game where you're going to become perfect at whatever it is, no matter how many podcasts I do, I'm never going to do them perfectly. No matter how many guests I have, there's going to always be something. And I think that the misnomer is when we think that there is some perfection somewhere that we're trying to trying to achieve. But I love that, that if you can get your message out in spite of the fear, along with the fear, I think that that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. So what else can you share with me? What am I not asking you that you think I should ask? I love that you're squeezing ever. I would say the I want to know it all. Yeah, you really got everything because you're really giving me a run for my money in a good way, in a good way, because <laughs> it's pushing it's pushing me to. I would say the one thing that we haven't touched about that will really help people is two things. One is make sure everyone who's listening to this podcast realize the following. The best way to speak is not to listen to us speak is for you to speak. So the vets who are really winning, Julie, have already booked 50 minutes in their calendar tomorrow to do one question drill, to do one random word exercise, to do a video message. That's really when you win. You can write all of these notes down and say, wow, this is so good. Julie is such a great interview. Brendan did such a great job. But if you're not actually doing it, you're not winning this game. So I'd say that's really important to reemphasize. The other piece, which is more specific client facing, and it won't apply to 100% of cases, but especially when people are talking more in a positive tone, I feel a big mistake a lot of people make, not with emergency room situations, but just in general, just let's say general diagnosis or check-ins, is they don't smile when they're listening. So for example, let's say you're talking, obviously people can't see the video here, but let's say I'm listening, but I don't, like I have a poker face. For you, even if you, you probably think that I'm focused from a rationality perspective, like from a, from a logical perspective, you're looking at my face and we're inventing stories saying, oh, Brandon doesn't care about what I'm saying. He, he's not valuing what I'm saying. Whereas when you have just a tiny smile and you're nodding your head just a little bit, you're, you're verbally sorry, non-verbally showing the person that, hey, I see you, I hear you, and I really want to make you feel understood. So that's obviously don't do that in ER situations, but I think it's important to do that. Let's say with general check-ins or something. Yeah, I love that. It just, it kind of encourages the other people to, to continue to share their message if you just nod and smile a little bit. Yeah. And, and it's weird after I shared, cause then you notice me doing it. So it's kind of a bizarre, <laughs> you know, then so, you get yeah. self-conscious. You're like, Hmm, do I do that? Yeah. That's amazing. I love it. Well, that's great. So anything else, like, can you tell us where to find you? How do we watch your videos? I found you your YouTube channel and watch some of your videos, but can you tell the 
people that are listening about your, um, your channel and what they can learn. Absolutely. Julie. Thanks so much for having me on. This is a great conversation. Oh, I'm loving it. This is great. Yeah. It's amazing. Of course. So I would say two ways to, to stay in touch. The first one to your point, definitely the master talk YouTube channel, go on master talk. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas. Though this one is probably worth rewatching because this is like a very specific to, to the industry that people are, are in. And okay. then the second piece is really the free training that I do over Zoom. So I do a free workshop every three weeks that's live, that's okay. interactive, that's fun. And people can register for that at rockstarcommunicator.com. Rockstar Communicator. Okay. Writing that down so I can put it in the notes. For sure. All right. Anything else? that you want to share before we wrap this up? That's it, Julie. I would say, okay. actually- I really appreciate you being here. This has been great. Of course, it's my pleasure. Yeah, were you going to say something else? Yeah, actually, I'll, I'll throw one in. By the way, it's so good that you asked this question because it makes me think of new ideas. Yeah. I would say there's one piece we actually haven't talked about that I actually think is the cornerstone. So I'm glad you, you actually kept asking that question. Is that not being afraid to get feedback on 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 how you're dealing with different client situations mm. or just the way that you're doing this in general so i'll give you an example one question i like to ask my clients a lot is if you were in my shoes how would you communicate my ideas better to the world or mm. what resonated with you the most in this conversation and this is a philosophy i teach that mo nobody does but it makes all the difference is have dinner with the people you actually want to serve and i don't just mean virtual dinner i don't mean zoom call i don't mean 15 minute chat, I actually mean three hour dinner. And the reason is because you get so many nuances from those conversations that a textbook just can't get you. And that's what really helps you elevate the conversation. For example, like this, I really feel like we're having dinner, like we're having discussions and you're throwing the challenge my way. And I'm like, okay, what would I do if I was a vet? And I'm throwing it back to you. But now the next time I have a conversation with another vet podcast, it'll be super easy for me to navigate that because now I know all the challenges because I listened and I heard what you were saying. And if we all applied that same context in the examination room, we'll have a much easier life and career. Yeah, and I think you just saying that reminds me to stay interested in the person that you're talking to because I think that makes all the difference, even in conflict, even in difficult conversations that are high in emotion in the exam room. Like staying interested in the person you're talking to is is really a key to that good, solid communication. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate meeting you so much. I appreciate you coming on the podcast to teach us some of these things. And um, I'm sure that we'll run into each other again and do this again. And if people are enjoying what they're hearing and they have other questions for Brendan that I didn't ask, let me know and I will get in touch. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again, Julie. Thank you awesome. so much. I really appreciate it. Have a beautiful week, everyone. Bye.